I mean, here's overarching. Um, a lot of younger people, millennials and whatnot, are buying into these like cheap old houses, mm-hmm. old homes because they're affordable, but they also have many, many years of deferred maintenance. And you got to catch up. Stupidly, I did this same thing. Like, oh, we'll be done in two years, and if you go in with that expectation, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, and that reality TV is lying to you. Basically, there's always drama. But it's not going to be... Drama can unfold slowly as well. That budget or that fast, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, what, what like, is a realistic expectation? Well, that's a good question. Because it, it depends. That's always the answer. The answer is always it depends. How much do you want to do? How much time can you dedicate to doing this work or finding the people to do it? How much money can you throw at it at one time? Because it really does depend... Are we recording or am I just talking? We're recording. Okay. <laughs> this is the Keeping Room Podcast. I'm Caitlin, an architect, old house nerd, and DIY enabler. And I'm Jake, an old house lover and DIY enthusiast. This is a space for us to share why we love old houses, what they can teach us, and how you can apply those lessons to your home. Welcome to The Keeping Room. The expectations set by certain reality TV networks. Networks, yeah. Home garden networks. (laughs) um, Are unrealistic. The timelines, the budgets, and just everything that goes on. And people come in thinking... Oh God, I was watching this show the other day. They did they do like a whole cabin renovation in like six weeks for thirty thousand dollars. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. And they just like throw this number out because I'm pretty sure that's how the producers of those shows work. They want you to put a number on it. And the mm-hmm. guys doing it are working all night. Mm-hmm. It's just them. They're barely getting paid basically because they're paid by the production company, not by actually doing the work. So like that's not a realistic expectation for anyone's renovation Fair. set by these shows. Uh, and I was just like, oh Brian can't watch those with me because I shout at the TV like people shout at football. Yeah, I was going to say, some people <laughs> get ja- or excited and animated about sports. And for you, it's... I just I shout at the TV when it's home renovation shows, which I just can't watch them anymore. <laughs> and design choices aside. Yeah, it's not even about design. It's literally about <laughs> what are you thinking, you moron? <laughs> It can't possibly happen. And it makes my job really hard as an architect to explain to people, no, that's not reality. I think people are getting clued into the fact that that's really not reality. But sometimes they come along and they have very high expectations for what they want and very low expectations for what it's going to cost. (laughs) Or how long it'll take. Or how long it'll take. That's the other one. I've I've seen diagrams that refer to like business. And it's like a triangle and like one side is like unlimited money. One side is unlimited time. Oh. And one, the other corner is like perfect outcome or yeah. something. And if you have unlimited time and unlimited money, then yes, everything can be done perfectly and quickly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you have to make some adjustments along the way. And if you have less money, then it's going to spend more time. And if you have 
less time, it's going to cost more money to get to that finished product where you want. We used to do this. You get to pick two. You get cheap, good, and fast. You can pick cheap and good, and that takes a really long time. Or you can pick cheap and fast, and it's not good. Or you can pick good and fast, and it's very expensive. Yep. <laughs> so you only get to pick two of those three things. And that is that is old homes. That is new homes. Yeah. That is everything. That's just quality. Um, that is not something that – and that applies to everything. And this is, this is something I've told clients many times. <laughs> if you're in the Instagram world, we have a local – uh, Instagrammer. She's fantastic. She's, oh, yeah, the- she texted me the other day, which she asked me. It was so funny. She asked me the difference between a manifold plumbing and a line and branch plumbing. And I was like, honey, that is well above my pay grade. <laughs> I could go Google it just as much as you can. Like, I, that has not been something I have had to make a decision on. I can guess based on what yeah. one thing is versus the other, but I don't have the specialized knowledge to advise you in that capacity, which is where you would want to ask an experienced plumber. Mm-hmm. And chances are the experienced plumber is not going to want to do the manifold because that is significantly more copper and lines to run. It's more work. Yeah. Um, very often, because you're paying someone who's a trades member to do things hourly, they want to do things in the most efficient Efficient way, way, uh, which means time efficient and material efficient, which means budget efficient because, but when you DIY things, you can choose not to do things in the most efficient way because your, your time is quintessentially free unless you value your time at money. But uh, (laughs) you can spend six weeks plumbing that bathroom where the plumber needs to get in and out in three days. Now, and you I, have to know that you're getting into six weeks of plumbing a bathroom. But <laughs> Said individual has lived without a fully functioning bathroom for over a year now. The, oh, yeah. The, the individual that started this conversation, <laughs> who is who's an absolutely darling individual, and I am obsessively following her process of going through here. And But she is a person who is willing to commit to those details and, yeah. like, do the research and make sure it is done to the specifications that they want. Yeah. And it's it's so admirable, but it, it's that triangle it's, of, like, good, fast, and what was the other one? Cheap. Good, fast, and cheap. So she's getting good and cheap, but she's definitely not oh, getting fast. <laughs> taking all the time. Taking all the time. Which, again, if you know that going in, if you know that those two things are your priority, like that's your expectation. I want it to be good and I want it to be reasonably priced. You know it's going to take a long time yeah. and you just have to be okay with that. Wow. And if you don't want it to take a long time and you want it to be done well, you're going to pay a lot of money for it. Um, so when when you're sitting down with a new client and they say, I want – Six weeks, thirty thousand dollars, and the entire interior redone. How how do you? <laughs> I am giving you this ball of string. How do you unravel that? How do you unravel that? Well, I start with like the entire re- interior redone in six weeks is just never going to happen. Like that's not realistic. Like I don't think we could even get it bid within six weeks. That's the other thing. You can find a contractor, <laughs> even if the contractor's ready to go tomorrow, he's got guys that are going to run off. And, you know, if, if something goes wrong, cause something always goes wrong, something always goes, wrong. it messes the schedule up. So like there's a certain order of operations, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're hiring it out, you have to do certain things before other things. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to finish your floors before you replaster a ceiling, basically. Or if you do, you're 
you know, in trouble with that, or you have to do the electrical and plumbing before you can put the sheet rock up. Mm -hmm. So if something gets held up on one of those trades, because there's all these trades that come in, it throws the whole schedule off. So the electrician goes over by a day, then the drywaller has gone off to another job because, because he he's got to work. He's yeah. got to feed his family, right? So he's gone off to another job that was ready for him and he doesn't come back for two weeks. So like, it seems like it would only be a day delay, but it ends up being two weeks because we lost our drywaller. Yeah. Now we can find another one, but it's, that you may don't not want be that unknown quality. quantity or that unknown, you know, which is why you're hiring a general contractor because they come with people that they trust. Right. Um, which is, uh, I know you and I have talked about um, our projects and you, you pointed me to some general contractors that you trust right. to look at examples of their work. And it's as a lay person, I always thought like I'm hiring this general contractor and this is, this is what they do. But the general contractor may never swing a hammer, right? It's all of the people in his Rolodex, his or her Rolodex um, <laughs> that are able to, to do all of those tasks. What you're really paying for is the quality of craftsmanship that that person demands at your job site. Right. You're paying for their attention to your job. Their attention to make sure the subs are doing what they're asked to do. Their attention to make sure that the subs are showing up on time, doing things to code. They're responsible. They're kind of like the overseer. And if you self-contract, essentially you become that person and you are hiring out all of those subs, those trades. So you call the plumber and say, hey, can you be here at this time on this day? So mm -hmm. you end up with all that scheduling, which is a nightmare in and of itself. But and, and that's another one. So set expectations of if you decide to take a renovation on yourself, you have to look at who needs to come in first. Can I get them in in this time? Can I do all one? Then, which is why so many of us end up DIYing because we can set our own schedules and just figure it out as we go. Yeah. Um, it will take kind of longer mm -hmm. and be more painful because now you have to learn all of the things. <laughs> uh, uh. But you can go at your own pace. You can actually save a good amount of money. You just have to be okay with living through renovations for somewhere like, I mean, it depends. I'm 10 years into it. So. <laughs> And I have not done everything myself, but I have done an awful lot of it myself uh, and hired out where I absolutely knew I wasn't. I'm like, I'm not going to re-roof my house. That's right. that's not a thing that's going to happen. I don't like roofs. Absolutely. Um, and there's, there's so much joy and satisfaction in in doing a DIY project, right? Like being able to, to look and point and be like, oh, yeah, I did that. Like that wall was lumpy and now it is smooth and I made that happen. Yes. Um, Granted, I, word of warning, there is a danger that if you did it yourself and you messed it up and now you look at it every day, you're going to kick yourself every day. <laughs> but I guess maybe it's better hating yourself than hating the guy you paid. I don't know. Yeah. That's a personal well, choice. <laughs> where I was trying to go with that is uh, there's, there's so many things that we can do. There are so many things that can be done yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but what we often, we think about the weekend that it will take to complete the project. We don't necessarily think about the three months that it's going to take to get all the information that you need about how to tackle that project. Yeah. And learning how to pace out and schedule that product and where to source all the materials and everything that goes along with it. So while it is 
it's a fantastic and wonderful thing to be able to take on those projects. And and by and large, most people are able because mm-hmm. um, it's not necessarily terribly complicated skills. But it's, it is a large variety of skills that you potentially have to learn yeah. and a lot of different things you have to tackle along the way. I mean, there's certain things which I would not recommend tackling yourself, especially if you've never done it, like running electric for an entire house. That's not something you would want to get a licensed electrician to at least check your work, if not do it for you. Um, I think a lot comes from knowing what should be done. Like, even if you are just researching how that electrical work should be done so you can have an intelligent conversation with that yeah. subcontractor. That's so valuable too. Which is why you would hire a general uh, contractor because they have that specialized knowledge. But if you decide not to do that, then you are the one who's on the hook for that specialized knowledge. Because mm-hmm. when they ask you, hey, how do you want me to do this? You have to know what are the options? What are the options? What is what's the preferred? The, what's the better way to do it? You have to be able to make those decisions, uh, which is why you would hire someone else to advise you. Um, yeah. And there's there's also benefits to like knowing those limits. So I don't. I feel very comfortable like running a plumbing supply line. Oh yeah. Because water is pressurized, it goes through it. You want a valve at the other end. Like that's pretty straightforward. I'm not really comfortable running a drain line or new drain line. Because drain lines are complicated. There's slope and there's venting and there's there's all this other stuff yeah. that makes it significantly much more of a challenge. Yeah. Um, so knowing those limits and and so you kind of have to play with it. You kind of have to dip your toe in there and like look into it to see, you know, where is that comfort level for you? Because I'm sure we know people who would feel ready to go to plumb in a whole new bathroom on their own. Yeah, you have to stage your renovation or choices with what you should start with first. Like everyone talks about you should button up the sandwich. So the the roof should be good, the foundation should be good, and the exterior walls should be good before you really start. So is it a burrito or is it a sandwich? I don't know what you call it. It's a sandwich, right? Because the walls are in the middle. Foundation, roof, walls. Ooh, weak. Uh, I've heard of an envelope. As as soon as you said sandwich, like I got turned on because I'm a fat ass, and it's about <laughs> time for a second lunch. Um, talking about, I've heard of it called the building envelope, right? The right. the the things that keep your house safe and protect you from the elements. Yes. Um, walls, windows, floors, doors, foundations. I mean, roofs. Right. There's things. Basically, you have to think about. If the roof is not in good shape and you paint your ceiling and then it leaks, you're going to have to paint the ceiling again, right? Or if the foundation is not in good shape, you're going to float that wall smooth and then it's going to crack again. So, like, those are the – you want to deal with the things that are causing the most problems first, which are sometimes not fun money. It's not sexy money. Mm -hmm. It's it's just absolutely no fun. And then you can kind of work your way around doing finishing touches – and everything else. One of the things that I tell people when they get into an old house is button up the roof, the foundation, the walls, make sure it's safe and livable, and then live in it. Do not change anything before you kind of get a feel for how you live in the house because you can't, you can't know 
how it's going to be. Like you can dream and whatever, but you can't know the experience of living in the house without actually living in the house. Like this room has the best light. I spend the most time in here mm-hmm. or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've gone through, I've wanted to add a bathroom onto our house for a long, long time, obviously. I have drawings from before we closed on the house of how to add a bathroom. Well, fortunately, <laughs> this is a skill set that you're really good at. Right. I get to do that. Um, and Brian and I have gone back and forth over 10 years. There's a – it's hard to explain, but there's our bedroom, which is all windows, and then there's this kind of – we call it the dressing room. It, is, it was the original bedroom. The bedroom we actually sleep in is an addition from the 20s. Um, so – the original bedroom we use as like a dressing room, sitting room space. And we have found over the 10 years living in it that we actually enjoy sitting in that space. If I just take that whole space for closet and a bathroom for the bedroom, Be sad we lose it. that sitting space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's like, I don't really want to lose that. And I'm like, okay, well, then we just have to add on the bathroom on the outside of the house. Um, so when we're thinking – about a full renovation or taking on projects or just generally doing work on your old house and, and making those improvements to make it better. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about expectations and kind of things to have in mind going into it. Um, but what are some, I guess, what are some key lessons that you've learned that might help folks as they approach their projects. Right. As a veteran of old house life, <laughs> <laughs> as someone who went in to an old house not knowing what she was getting into, being terribly naive, thinking that I'd be done in two years, thinking that, you know, it would be easy. Uh, I have learned to pace myself, to have patience with myself, and especially with professionals. Sometimes you have to have patience with the professionals. They're going to They have different priorities than you do. They're going to take longer. Sometimes it's whatever, but they, they do appreciate understanding, understanding and treating them like adults. Sometimes they don't act like adults, but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Perfection is not possible. That is another thing that I've learned, but don't let that be the enemy of good. Um, Sometimes it's, just going to have a weird little bubble in the wall and you can't fix that. And having a painted wall is better than not having. Yeah. <laughs> or having a uh, painted wall with a bubble is better than having a not painted wall with a bubble. And why that one little detail might drive you crazy. No one will notice it. No one will notice. No one will notice it. I, my husband is the like perfect barometer of does it matter? Because I'll ask him if he sees it and he's like, no. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've learned that life happens and it is okay to take breaks, even if the project is half done, so long as you are safe and can still live in the space and nobody is getting hurt. It does not matter that that dining room isn't painted, that the walls are half torn apart. You can still have that dinner party. No one's going to, I mean, maybe they'll judge you, but they probably won't tell you out loud. I mean, (laughs) it's also like a fantastic conversation starter. Like, oh, your studs look fantastic. Yes, how nice. Uh, Yeah, you do not have to have those things done. Um, That's exactly what I said. Uh, Projects always, 
always ballooned. There is always something you did not expect or plan for that you will have to deal with beyond what you thought you were having to deal with. So go into it knowing that that's going to happen. I mean, don't start a thing on a Sunday night and think you're going to be done. (laughs) Or if you do, just accept and try and have patience with it there's a lot of zen that goes into this yeah Uh, also a good good indicator don't start a project when home depot is closed yeah yeah definitely don't do that some people are (laughs) night owls but just avoid wait until wait until the store is open um the other thing i've learned is sometimes it's best to leave well enough alone if it works if it's safe if it functions if it looks okay, sometimes it's best not to pull that thread. Mm-hmm. How you end up with a hole in your foundation. <laughs> um, there is actually an order to things. You have to do things in a sensible order. We've talked about this, that you really should do the roof, the foundation, the walls first. Um, when you jump into a new space, it's fun to do the pretty things first, but then you're going to end up redoing them if those things have not been repaired. Yep. And if you're fine with that, then you're fine with that. Just go into it knowing that when the roof leaks and now you have to repaint that ceiling, you're going to be sad about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if the project goes on long enough, you start to look past it. We've talked about that yes. as well. Both given examples. Uh, the hall in my house that has never been finished. Never. That's the one project that's not ever been done in my house. It has... What I thought of was like a cool textured paint job when I first saw it, but turns out I think it's just the remnants from torn down wallpaper. It kind of is. Yeah. It's so that hall started out with two layers of wallpaper. There was fruit, which that one came down really easy. Okay. And then there was this like weird border around the like very 80s, you know, the wallpaper border that they put around the (laughs) ceiling. Mm -hmm, And mm then, um, like a green, horrible modeled, I don't even know. And I, and I, it, it was very glued to the plaster. That's the one place in my house that still has plaster is that central hall. Okay. It took a very long time to peel that wallpaper. And I think I just finished it like two years ago, but it, I say finished it. It's not like I was continuously working on it. Right. Right. <laughs> we went gung ho. I got a steamer. We did it in the first like few months of living in the house. And then finally I just had other priorities and just didn't get back to it until way, way later. And the same thing. Other priorities have taken precedence yep. and it's just sitting there unfinished. I It'll get done. It's not hurting anybody. <laughs> And I, I think it looks cool. I'm, it looks I'm, I'm, <laughs> some deconstruction chic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Man, maybe this is bleak, but we are setting expectations. You're never done. There is no done. Um. There's always maintenance that you have to mm-hmm. keep up with. There's always something. And this goes for new houses too. Like there's no such thing as no maintenance. Yeah. It does not exist. There's always something you have to do. Um, and some people live their lives by just like moving on to the next house and leaving those things that are undone for the next person. But if you're going to screw those people. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be in your house long term, there's always going to be something that you still need to do. Yeah. I like to think of it as a cycle or, or seasons. Um, 
relating it to a garden, right? There's, there's a time where you have to do prep and planning and then you actual plant the things and things grow and you have to tend them and then you have to harvest and clean it up and then you have to prepare for the next season. But it, it's always something. There's mm-hmm. always work to be done and there's kind of a comforting rhythm of knowing like, oh, I'm going to focus on that next and this is how it goes and it's in waves. And the the maintenance of your home or the work that you're going to do in your home is probably going to follow those same things. Because even though a project may have a finish line, your whole house, your existence in that in that building, in that structure is one project, right? right? And it it ebbs and flows and it comes and goes, but it it's rewarding in its own ways. Yeah. I have a friend in the window industry who I've known for a very long time. And every time I talk to him, he's like, so is your house done yet? I'm like, dude, it'll never be done. <laughs> Shut up, sir. Shut up. I think he came out to look at, I think it was doors. I don't know why I had him out at the house for, oh, it was interior doors a very long time ago, which I actually have the doors now. It's been 10 years. They're sitting in the guy's shop. They've been there for a while, but they'll go in. They'll go in eventually. Um, I, I wish I could describe to you the side eye Caitlin just gave me as she like sheepishly said, they'll go in. They're, they're, the doors exist. There is there is hair twirling. There is complete avoidance of eye contact. <laughs> uh, actually, doors... I called the the contractor. I need to come help me install them yesterday. Okay. So it, it's, it's happening. It's just not happening very fast. There is suspect progress. Yeah. Uh, where the heck was it? Oh, anyway, every time I talk to him, he's like, are you done? I just tell him no. At, at some point, I mean, I think in the beginning when he met me, I thought I would be done in two years, mm. same thing. And then mm-hmm. this just turned into this funny joke. Like, man, I got other priorities. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, it's not done. It'll never be done. And that's okay. Um, What else? <laughs> we talked about this. Well, it's like a kid or a garden. Having an old house or any house is like adding another thing to your life that you have to take care Mm -hmm. of kid a pet a garden it's not something that can be ignored forever now old houses will take a lot of they can take some abuse they take some abuse they take some deferred maintenance usually when you're getting into it there's someone else has done a whole lot of deferred maintenance and a lot of what you feel that stress at the beginning of the project is dealing with that deferred maintenance from the last person and then eventually you become that person that is deferring the maintenance (laughs) um but it is a very rewarding thing to go through like you know people like people that have kids they love their kids that that's a rewarding relationship kids take a lot of work old houses take a lot of work you just have to know going into it that it's going to be work. Yeah. And I think it's it's really good to to set that expectation for yourself that it owning a home, owning a single family dwelling is going to be work. And if that is something you're not interested in, if you're going to be the person that is just going to ignore those problems and move on to the next house, maybe owning that single family home isn't a good fit for you. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe look into a condo, maybe look into a townhouse or, you know, something where there is an expectation that someone else is going to take care of a lot of those things that will potentially be problematic for you. I would never want someone getting into an old house 
not knowing what they were getting into. Like, that's really painful. That's where people have the really bad experiences is they get into it thinking it's going to be something it's not. And they get frustrated and they give up. Um, and then they move on to sometimes they go and buy a new house and they mm-hmm. find out it's the same problem. <laughs> but uh, you just have to, I, you know, I want people to love their homes. I want them to feel good about it. You have to come into that relationship with an expectation of it's never going to be perfect. You know, the fairy tale doesn't exist. So. <laughs> Just here to smash some dreams. <laughs> I've been called a dream crusher many times. <laughs> yeah, by me. By me. <laughs> by many people. It's not just you. I don't know if I'm a pessimist, but let's call it a realist. <laughs> try and Try and bring the reality. Yeah. You know. Do you want to tell some more stories? Yeah, let's tell more stories. Um, okay, so in our show notes, you <laughs> said the first project that you worked on was reworking your laundry room, oh, including moving a door and lying to Brian's face. <laughs> That's my favorite story. So go ahead and share that with us. So Brian and I, I usually do all of the planning and thinking and everything in this and i do a lot of the doing brian is the guy that hands me the hammer he's he's very helpful but he is not he does not know what he's doing (laughs) and after we had done the plumbing and the electrical my parents went away because they had come down to help help us with this it's actually why the light fell too that was part of that whole thing that's another story (laughs) um after they went away we didn't have a laundry room we had reworked the plumbing while they were here for the laundry room. We were okay. ready to set it up, but we needed to move the doorway because it was in a dumb place. The way you come into the room. Exterior or interior door? Interior door. Okay. Thankfully, I don't do exterior. And I'm, I'm not a carpenter. I'm not really, like, into framing. But, like, I know how a door is supposed to be framed. I knew this was going to be easy. And it was one of the easiest projects we've ever done. But (laughs) so we needed to move the door over so it was closer to a wall so that we had space for the washer and dryer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it wasn't. We had to move it over two feet. So Brian asked me if I knew what I was doing. I was like, yeah. He's like, have you done this before? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, you're lying. You lied to my face. I'm like, well, I know how it's done. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. So we did, I mean, it was, it was just two layers of sheetrock and framing. So we just, we cut the sheetrock and we moved the framing over and we just cut one stud and it was the fastest project we've ever done together. <laughs> but it was just, I didn't know what to tell him. It was like, because he wanted reassurance, like, because he gets really nervous that it's going to be one of those things that we get into and that we have to go to Home Depot 10 times. Uh, you mean the toy store? The toy store, yes. yes. Okay. Every project starts with a trip to the to the big box. <laughs> <laughs> and then involves like five to seven more. Yeah, exactly. Usually there's one in the morning and then one sometime around lunch. Sometimes we'll plan that. So we go to the Lowe's that has the sausage guy because he's got... A- I've never tried the sausages at the Lowe's. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Okay. They're really good. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Because we forget to eat. This is the other problem. It'll be four o'clock in the afternoon. Brian will be like, I am starving. You have to feed me <laughs> if we're going to keep doing this project. Uh, 
so yeah, I just I lied to his face and told him I, I had done it before when I I had not, but I knew what I was doing. I thought you had like lied about the finished outcome or something. Oh no, it was just trying to make him feel better about oh. what we were getting into. Alec asks me that stuff all the time, and I'm like, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we did all this kind of stuff, and in fairness, I did do I, like my dad was an amateur woodworker and and hobbyist contractor situation <laughs> we did we did all kinds of crazy things and and built a lot of stuff was it like perfect finished quality no have i done that in 20 years probably not but you like you look at the pictures you understand that how it needs to be and either figure out the steps of how to get it there or look up what you need to do to get it there and then and then you and then you, and then you make it happen it. yeah and that is and you have to be okay with the result yeah. <laughs> so. But also there's the knowledge like if it doesn't finish out like you want it, you can redo it. Yeah. You got it there in the first place. There's that. And now you have more experience to do better. Yeah. That's true. And I think, I mean, it's one of those things that old houses just teaches all sorts of stuff, which is how I got into it. You know, I I didn't know I wanted an old house. I knew I loved the house that we got. And then now I love all the old houses. <laughs> Save all the old houses as you wear your old house shirt. Yeah. I'm actually like double merched today. I've got both on. Uh, it's like this shirt and the same shirt underneath it in a t-shirt. Alec, Alec was actually wearing his shirt with the same design that I got him for Christmas today. <laughs> so We're just all well, sorts of matching. Apparently it's Spanish Revival Day uh, in the keeping room. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so tell me, tell me your story. So. I'm seeing your notes here. Uh, Okay, so tell me a a ridiculous story (laughs) that you've been through with. Um, So in in our old house, uh, which was flipped, so a lot of the historic character was taken out of the inside um, to our everlasting sadness. But the the exterior was still really cute. There was a lot of light, and and it had charm. Certainly had quirk, Mm -hmm. um, but part of that quirk was just because they made some questionable choices. In the process of the flipping. Um, One of those was the upstairs bathroom, which was fairly sizable, but weirdly laid out because of its location. So kind of difficult to get in and out of. Um, And the slope of the roof caused some leakage inside and uh, drywall had gotten messed up. So we had folks out to repair the roof. And I was like, okay, it's time to patch up this drywall. Let me do it. And so I like, put in cut out some really damaged sections and like was floating it and all this stuff and it got down to where the roof line met the wall and I had to take down the light fixture and I had to take down the mirror behind the vanity because it was just a wall hung mirror and when I took the mirror down the drywall anchor that it was hung on fell out so that didn't work right like that's not supposed to be like that um but more concerning was the hole that left behind that it left behind had sunlight coming through it Hmm. and i was like well that this solid wall should not why is there light have a beam of light (laughs) coming in from the eastern sky um so i cut a slightly larger hole to be exploratory and um the bathroom is framed up against an old set of wooden French doors, mm-hmm. um, which look really cool and probably were neat and functional at some point in time. But they, the contractors screwed them closed 
didn't put any type of vapor barrier, didn't put any insulation or any sealant or anything, just framed up a wall about a foot away from the doors, put drywall up and called it a day. And I, Alec was at work, I was home alone and I was sitting there and I was like, do I have a panic or do I not? Do I have a panic or do I not? Do I just <laughs> cut the wall out and just move forward? Do I ask permission? How do I handle this? And I decided to just rip the wall out. Nice. Um, because I realized if I asked, the answer would have been no. Like, <laughs> do you want me to fix this? No, I don't want you to rip three walls out of this bathroom and and do improvements that you think are important, um, which – Alec didn't think adding insulation to that exterior wall had any value in his mind that that did not provide any tangible benefit. I mean, yeah, I can see why maybe it wouldn't. He just wanted it finished, right? Yeah. And it, It in his mind, it was finished previously. Mm -hmm. I just needed to repaint the ceiling. Um, (laughs) So anyway, I pulled sheetrock down. I, I didn't know how to redo sheetrock. I didn't know how to float sheetrock. Oh, it's so much easier when you're starting fresh. Oh, yeah. Than it is to patch a hole in my experience. But uh, <laughs> I I didn't, I had never installed insulation. I'd never uh, floated sheetrock. I'd never hung sheetrock. It, it was oh. all of these first <laughs> things. Um, and so while he was gone, I removed the toilet, uninstalled the vanity, moved it into a hallway, tore walls out, oh got down to studs, all while posting pictures on Instagram. And so that's how he found out about oh, it. No. <laughs> oh, no. But I took myself to the lows of, and, of the sausage fame yes. um, and got insulation and put it up and, and like found, worked through solutions to the problems that I found along the way. Um, did a little bit of research and learned that hanging drywall isn't actually that hard. It's mm-hmm. just... It's difficult because those sheets are really awkward. Yeah, they're big and stupid. Um, But figured out how to do that and then learned how to float sheetrock and how to spray texture on sheetrock and then repaint it. And things were a lot easier after that. Um, (laughs) But it was, you know, it that project started out this big. That project started out as like should have been an afternoon or two. Yeah, what were you trying to do? You were just trying to repaint? Yeah, trying to make the ceiling look prettier after the leak. You you were literally just trying to patch and paint. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a give a mouse a cookie. That's one of those. <laughs> that's a, that's your pull the thread. Like, yeah. who knows Old what you're going to find. Old house projects, you pull the thread. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to decide, nope, I don't want to know about that, which is exactly what I did with the coyote hole, which it came back to bite me eventually. <laughs> well, I had, I had that moment of questioning. Like, do I just put the mirror back and pretend like I did not see the sun? Like, is that... <laughs> Is that how we move forward? Um, but ultimately, I'm really glad that I did rip the wall out because the plumbing that went into that bathroom that passed along that exterior wall was wrapped loosely in bubble wrap. Oh, no. That was the only insulation there. And in subsequent winters, we got down to like negative 20. Yeah, you would have been tearing apart that wall anyway because eventually... When the roads were covered in ice and everything else would have been miserable. Yeah. So I'm glad that I did. <laughs> Uh, it didn't necessarily contribute to marital bliss. No. Uh, and I'm still not sure that my husband saw the value of that work and that project. Probably not. But I but feel it did. in my heart. You did. I do. Yes. When it, and that's always a balance, balance multiple people's <laughs> values. My husband could care less. He's just like, I'm just glad we have a house. <laughs> yeah. 
Brian is so chill. He's pretty chill. That is great. He's he's pretty chill. So, uh, and he just goes along. I mean, we have done together. We've done a lot of things. We painted the whole outside of the house. That took us a very long time. Yeah, that's terrifying. I think it took two years. Oof. But we did it in stages, right? So we started uh, about a month ago this time of the year. So it would have been beginning of March. Stripping. We started, we just worked our way around the house, right? So we had guys come and they did, they painted above height because I was not going to do the 20 foot ladder up the side of my house. That was not a thing. <laughs> just not happening. So, you know, know your limits, right? Because mm-hmm. I was not going to paint the soffits and yeah, scary. So we did that and it, but that was a whole thing too. I should have had them do a better job than they did. Mm. Again. Regrets. You give what you pay for. Yep. I did not actually even get what I paid for because I didn't. They didn't do what they told me they were going to do. Uh, <laughs> so that's a whole thing. That's a whole thing, uh, which subsequently meant five years later we were having someone better repaint it again. But Brian and I then worked our way around from the top of the windows down, so a reasonably sized ladder mm-hmm. around the whole house, and we just pick like what we could do in a weekend, right? So we'd do like two or three walls in a weekend. So we'd strip and prep one day and do the primer and the primer had to dry overnight. And then the next day we'd paint. It was literally two days of painting for months until it got too hot. So I think it was like, and you know, beginning of May, end of May. <laughs> Comes um, on rapidly in Oklahoma. Yeah. May is, it's too hot. So, and then it was too hot to paint. And I think we picked it up again in the fall and we did a little bit in the fall and then we came back the next year and finished it in the spring into the summer. So it took two, two and a half years. And then there were things that we left undone because there's always that 5% that just doesn't happen Mm. (laughs) until the guys came back five years later. Which is such a disappointment because it's usually that finishing touch that'll just make it look so much better. But I think that's the the danger of DIY is you get to the end of it and you're just so tired of it. You don't care anymore. Well, there's, there's so little joy. Like you've gotten the bulk of the pleasure out of like the new shiny. Mm -hmm. And now you just want that high from something new. Mm -hmm. And like putting that trim back isn't going to give it to you. Mm -mm. No, but you got to go for the next. Not going to do the next giant project. Yes. 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 Yeah. I have so many of those started right now. It's stupid. I still don't have shoe moldings on my floors. Well, you know, that's okay. I've gotten yelled at it. Well, okay, so but here's the thing. Don't justify. I'm going to justify it. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> if the intent is to go and kind of fix the finish on the molding, it will be easier with the shoe molding off. That's what I'm telling myself. I mean, it makes sense. When you could do that, right? So, okay. This is one of those things. You could go and work around and say, okay, I'm going to put this shoe mold back on. To do that, I need to polish this one piece of trim board, fix the shoe mold, and put it on. And then just kind of like work your way around. Again, I understand this. I know you do. My life partner doesn't no. necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, kind of relatedly, though, uh, you mentioned uh, hosting a dining or a, a dinner party in like a half-finished dining room. Oh, my gosh. So many years. So... When we bought our house, every wall had wallpaper, various stages of 80s wallpaper, because the previous owners had basically saved the house from condemnable. So they had removed all of the plaster from all of the walls and put up sheetrock with nails. Mm. Curse their souls. (laughs) 
It was the 80s. Screws weren't really a thing. So all of the sheetrock is with nails and the nails pop and it's a pain and that's, that's a whole other thing. So they, and then they had put wallpaper on top of the sheetrock. They didn't size the, they didn't prime the sheetrock before they put the wallpaper up. And in some cases that meant the wallpaper came off really easily. In some cases, that meant the wallpaper was one with the wall. Yeah, they had bonded. Um, usually, I think the difference was the wallpaper had been, like, pre-pasted in some. And, like, the pre-pasted wallpaper didn't have enough glue to bond with the sheetrock. Fair. And then the one that they did in but, the dining room and the living room, had they had used, like, you know, you, you put the glue on the wallpaper mm-hmm. and you put it up. One with the wall. So we had peeled the first layer of this iridescent... I can't even describe how ugly it was. <laughs> this iridescent vinyl wallpaper. So we peeled the vinyl layer off because that was easy. And then we just had this mess of paper stuck to sheet. Like we didn't know what to do with it because we couldn't get it off. Like no matter what we did, steaming mm-hmm. it, it was taking the facing off of the the drywall. The drywall. So we eventually got it to the point where we had taken most of the facing off the drywall. And now we have to float these walls. And it was like two or three years of just looking past the fact that the walls were just like torn apart. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was artistic. And I mean it was again, I think I'm just gonna peel wallpaper and paint a wall, but now it's turned into this whole mm-hmm. thing. So now I have to learn how to float a wall, mm-hmm. um, float a ceiling, because there's wall there was wallpaper on the ceilings too. Fascinating choices. I mean, it's actually not uncommon. This was that was old wallpaper. Okay. So plaster cracks, that's mm-hmm. kind of a thing that happens. And so wallpaper is one of those things that like bridges the cracks and very often historic homes had wallpaper on the plaster um, and they would put a, to paint the ceilings, they would put a like kind of a brown paper wallpaper on the ceiling okay, and then paint on top of that, which is wild. But that was what was underneath the texture that was like, you know, like plastic bag texture that the previous, because they just dealt with it that way. Yeah, it was bad so i did a lot of layers of fun scraping and eventually i learned i was not going to float a ceiling that's terrible and i paid someone to do it it's uh-huh. the best money i've ever spent <laughs> <laughs> uh, so along the same lines we had a leak in the house related to the bathroom leak but a slightly different leak mm-hmm. um that was coming down over our back door and it like was causing the paint to bubble off of the sheetrock. So again, called the folks, thought we had repaired the leak. And I was like, okay, I now know how to do sheetrock. I can do this. <laughs> and so I went and like cut out the section of sheetrock. I had to pull the crumb or the framing off of the door, like the molding around the door. Oh, okay. To put new sheetrock up. Mm-hmm. I had to take the insulation out and put new insulation up because it was so like soaked and ruined. Mm-hmm. And so I did that and I like mudded it all in and it was looking really good. And I was about to the point of adding texture to it when it rained. And I learned that the roof leak had not been repaired. Oh no. And I was like, Dum. and it, it was one of those moments where I was so frustrated after putting this work into it that I just, I like couldn't re-engage with it. You just stopped. So I just left it. And turns out I left it for like three years, <laughs> two and a half years. Oh, yeah. And I do remember that door didn't have trim on it. Uh-huh. 
And it bothered me and it bothered Alec. And every time I passed by, I saw it. I saw like the pink insulation poking out and it like, it sent off a little buzzer in my brain <laughs> of unpleasantness. <laughs> and it, I was so upset. Um, but we had friends over. We were talking with friends uh, in like January after we went under contract to move into this house. And I was like, yeah, we have to finish up all this stuff that we started. Like I have to finally put that molding back around that door. And friends that had stayed at our house like for full weekends for years never noticed. Yeah, no one really notices it, but the people that have left it undone. <laughs> no, they know. Because it, it's about that – not necessarily the person that left it undone, but it's it's the person who exists in that space. And, like, yeah. that becomes the pain point. That becomes the trigger. Um, you know you're in danger when it's been long enough that you don't even see it anymore. So that's what happened with the, <laughs> the general molding in the house. Um, the – our house, the previous house was flipped and they put up a paint grade molding that they put some type of like sealant up. So when you glanced at it, it looked like high quality wood finish. Mm -hmm. um, but when you got up close, you could see like eight inch to foot long sections that had been like terribly joined S together. Toothed together. I forget what they call that. I want to call it finger joints, but I don't yeah, think that's right. that's right. That is correct. Yeah. So they just like have this terrible butt up together that had been milled down into one piece. And then they put a clear sealant on it. So you couldn't ignore it. <laughs> and when we bought the house, as soon as I walked in, I was like, I hate this molding. I can't wait to paint it or take it down and do something else. And Alec was like, I love the wood. The wood is my favorite. <laughs> You can't cover it up. It's wood. Alec never noticed the finger joints. Even when pointed out, he did not, he did, like, it did not bother him. Oh, gosh. And and again, growing up with a, a in a wood shop, essentially. You knew. Uh, it, I knew, and it drove me bananas. And uh, <laughs> before we moved in, I painted our bedroom, and in the process of painting the walls, I painted the moldings so that I didn't have to look at them every night before I went to bed. And that's how I made my piece. Um, and Alec was so mad at me for painting the molding in our bedroom. And he was like, you, you got to stop painting. You can't do any more painting of the wood. And I was like, all right, man. Uh, and so finally, after like three years, I made peace with the wood. I stopped looking at the finger joints every day. And honestly, my life got a little bit better. I like mean, there was more brightness in the world. Yeah. Um, and then I it didn't bother me anymore after I made peace with it. And when we were nearing the time of moving out, Alec made a comment like, I'm so glad to leave these moldings behind. I can't stand them. I see these finger joints every day and they drive me crazy. So somewhere in time, he had a shift in oh, perspective. No. But just did give me a heads up that we needed to make it a priority because I would have painted those things so fast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. you going to paint them before you sell it? Are you going to leave that for the next person? I can't remember what we told the man. I think we're leaving them. Okay. I think the things that are painted, we will leave painted. And the things that are unpainted will remain unpainted. Fair. Fair, fair. Yeah. We were fixing little things on that house before. Yeah. It goes. The leak. We're fixing the leak. We're fixing the leak. Which that's a whole thing. <laughs> oh man, <sighs> that leak was like basically a, a person in my life. It's so funny, like these, and I've done this to myself. You get a wild hair one day. My some of the only rooms that are done, I say that. I've gotten to the point where the rooms that I finished first, the rooms that are starting to show up on my 
feed as this day 10 years ago mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm doing again. <laughs> so I, I started picking paint samples for our bathroom, which I painted more than 10 years ago at this point to redo. And I painted swatches on the wall. And then I lost steam. a lot of swatches. A lot of swatches. There's a, a lot. I just ordered three more. A concerning amount of swatches. <laughs> of shockingly similar shades of paint. <sighs> yes. Well, and, yeah, anyway. so A lot And they've swatches. been there for three years. Two years? Three years, maybe. I don't know. I, it never went anywhere because I couldn't make a decision. The woman took a picture of her cat's paw to the paint store and had them color match the shade of the cat paw. Did I do that? Yeah, you did, girl. Did I really? Yeah, your crazy runs deep. I don't even remember doing that. How do you remember that? Because I was like, who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> who am I paying for their brain? Oh, a skillet. Yeah, now I do remember. Yeah. It didn't work out, though. That's not the paint. I know. It, it has fallen into the graveyard, abandoned paint swatches. Oh, my God. How do you... See, this is the problem. I've been doing it too long. I don't remember it. <laughs> It, it was it was fascinating. It was something I never thought about doing. Yeah. Picking paint colors is notoriously difficult. I must have posted about that on Instagram. Yeah, you did. I don't remember it. That's wild. Okay. Well, cool, cool. It's somewhere in the stories somewhere. It's probably not a safe story, though, so you probably missed it. No, you tried to hide that crazy. No, I don't even remember that crazy. That's the thing. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry, we got derailed because of Skillet's paws. Well, it's like, okay. And I am not someone who can say that I've had this experience, but it's like childbirth, right? If you knew how painful it was going in, you probably wouldn't do it, and you immediately forget how painful it is (laughs) afterward. Or so I have been told. Um and I think that applies to renovations in old houses. Like, you can't possibly fathom what it's going to be like until you're in it, and you're going to immediately forget it after you get it done. <laughs> I certainly don't immediately forget the pain of a project and the discomfort, um, but it certainly fades over time. Yeah. You know, it's it's like I'm ready to be hurt again. Which is probably why I ordered more samples for that freaking bathroom today. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you know, you get to a point where you need a win, and I'm like, okay, this is a small project. Mm-hmm. I can recomplete this project that I have already completed. This has less decisions to make than the other one that I've been avoiding for longer, which is the kitchen and mudroom. Because I need, I need outside help with that one. I don't need outside help with the bathroom. I can yeah. just decide to paint it on a weekend. I need trim guys to come in for the other thing. And that's a whole. You know that. I guess it's a good point that actually is related to the topic of this podcast. (laughs) We're so far off topic. I mean, we've been like glancing it. It's like bumper cars, right? We're just going to come back around. You're going to spend like a month editing this. You know, we've only got an hour. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay. Um, But uh, there are things that you can do in a weekend. Oh, yeah. And there there are potentially really big impact projects or changes that you can make in a weekend. So, like, changing a light fixture, totally afternoon project. That, yeah, that's like a couple of hours. Yeah, painting a room, depending on size of room, 
perfect weekend project, mm-hmm. maybe two, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how much detail you want to do. Um, honestly, cleaning sometimes or like decluttering a space, um, which can lead to rearranging a space, can have tremendous impact. Um, I joked with Alec that I rearranged furniture as a hobby because I think I tried out like eight different bedroom configurations in our old house. And that makes it sound like my bedroom was palatial. (laughs) And it wasn't, (laughs) but there was a queen size bed and a dresser and it touched every wall in that space to try and find the funkiest of suede arrangement. And, um, we gave everything the good college try. That's awesome. And finally found something that we were at peace with, but just, Moving that stuff around maybe took me an hour or two to to give it a different go. And it honestly felt like a completely different space. Yeah. You know, and it, it allowed us to think about how we use that space differently and the light changed and the, you know, the the traffic patterns and everything. And it it really was impactful. So you can do, there are things that you can do yourself quickly that can have a really positive return on your lived experience in your space. Definitely. Actually, I've, Another anecdotal story, a friend who they have a house that has like three bedrooms kind of in a row and they put their, their just, you know, a couple that's, they don't have kids. They have two offices and a bedroom Okay. they put the bedroom on the end, which is really the room that has the best light, mm-hmm. which they don't spend any time in there. So the two, like the middle office that was her craft room office is just kind of buried and didn't have any light. So they're swapping the two. So she's been over – she had just painted this craft room too. She's like, I just decided to stomp it and I'm going to change it. So she just, she's painting that craft room color and what used to be the bedroom and mm-hmm, moving the mm-hmm. bedroom to the middle and it just makes more sense. And, you know, you wouldn't know that until you'd lived in this space and, you know, you come in and you're like, oh, I think this will make the best bedroom. And then you can just pick a different one if yep. you feel like it. You know, why not? So – And then I have a thought of how to connect this and it it does not want to be born. The quality of life improvement that can come with changing those spaces up can be as impactful as renovating your entire kitchen. Yeah. Right. Like having a space that you use on a regular basis that is now lovely and light field and, and brings you joy every time you step into it and having a bedroom that's maybe a little bit darker and a little quieter and a little cozier, like that has tremendous, tremendous impact and you didn't have to pick up any sledgehammers. Yeah. All you got to do is paint some walls and she didn't even really have to do that. that. She just wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that, I feel like that is something that HGTV doesn't really talk about. You know, no. thinking about how you use your spaces differently as a, as an option to make dramatic changes without making your cute bungalow open concept. Well, it's all – so everyone focuses on kitchens and bathrooms for renovations because those are usually the things that get updated the most, right? Mm-hmm. They they get quote-unquote dated and you just decide, well, this 80s kitchen's not going to do anymore. Let's tear it out and make it a – 2020 kitchen well okay in 10 more years Mm -hmm. it's going to be just as dated um unfortunately unless you do something that's timeless which you can do usually timeless means the period of the house itself is probably the better thing is the best fit do or something that's just neutral um trendy is 
trendy. And it's trendy for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. You got to stay up with the trends. It's way easier to change your wardrobe than it is to change your house. So that is one of like the biggest struggles that I have with like Instagram and promoting like these super visually appealing spaces <laughs> uh, because some of them are beautiful, yes. so aesthetic, but like it is March 2021 aesthetic. Right. Because April's going to have a different one. We've already moved on. We're doing something yeah. different. We're not doing green kitchens anymore. <laughs> and that that one account that has the green kitchen that like committed to the green tile that goes up to the ceiling and the all of these things, some of those choices are really hard, really expensive, and like really environmentally destructive to undo. Yeah. But if you go with really classic style, a timeless design, or a period-appropriate design in your, like, really fundamental things, you can add accents and pops of color and whimsy through things that are significantly easier to change. Like, cabinet pools are easy to change. Uh, Light fixtures are easy to change. Um, I mean, you can always repaint your cabinets. That's not impossible. It's not awesome. No. But <laughs> it's doable. But like the making material choices in a lot of your finishes that are just, oh, they so speak to the moment. This is so hot right now. If you're a Kardashian, sure, you can afford it. But like the average person really gets themselves in a pickle when they commit to those design choices that aren't going to look good. They're going to be tired of them in 10 years if they're still in that house. Yes. And the person who's going to buy that house after you, if you sell it in 10 to 15 to 20 they're also going to be mad at those choices too. Well, and here's the thing. I'm a big proponent of do what you love. I mean. Within reason. Within reason. I, here's the thing. If you're going to get sick of it, if you know you're going to get sick of it in 10 years, now you've locked yourself into, I have to do something every 10 years or whatever. But I, I would not, I would not not do something because it's wild and it's going to make you happy every day for the rest of your life or the rest of your time living in the house. Um, Because if you don't do what you love, the next person, you're basically renting it from the next person. Now that's a little bit tricky in an old house because we're technically stewards. We're trying to. We think of ourselves as stewards. We think of ourselves as stewards. We are trying to continue the legacy of this house that has lasted longer than we have. Mm-hmm. Like, it's older than I am. It's older than my grandparents. It's older than anyone I know who's alive. Ooh. Isn't that weird to think? Yeah. <laughs> my house is 111 this year, I think. 112. I have 98. And yeah, you're right. Yours is as old as my grandpa. My grandpa's 98. <laughs> All right. Go, Grandpa. Go, Grandpa. Uh, but we're, we're trying to keep this thing alive for the next person. So there is some trying to temper – like you don't want to come in and just do what you love because you love it 100% of the time or something yeah. that can't be undone or put back to – Which I think matches well with my point. Paint. Right. Easy to undo. Paint is so easy to undo. Light fixtures. Unless it's on brick. Do not paint brick. That's another. That's a different episode. Oh, poor Liz. Step (laughs) step down from that soapbox, ma'am. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If, and painting woodwork is another cardinal sin people sometimes commit. And the only reason people 
I say that. The reason I get upset is not because it cannot be undone. It's because it is so difficult to mm-hmm. undo. And the next person is going to curse your name while they peel that paint from that woodwork. <laughs> if they so decide that they want to put it back to stained wood, it's that is difficult to do. Brick is very hard to unpaint. Um, and in some cases, it's impossible to get the paint off. Because it's porous and it soaks in and it goes below the surface. And right. then... Yeah. You're screwed. So, like, painting walls, you don't painting have to walls. undo painting walls because you could just paint it again. Painting cabinets, um, put up the funky light fixture. Yeah. Like, it'll make us, it'll make a change. statement. Yes. But also, but if the next person doesn't like it, just swap it out. Just get a new light fixture. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, uh, my point was like the, the aesthetic accounts. Or not my jam because that that trend changes so quickly. But I've yes. seen a lot of houses coming up recently or becoming popular on Instagram where people are just relentlessly themselves. I mean, they right. have like weird rainbows painted down the staircase. <laughs> and I would never want to live there. No part of me wants to exist in that space. It feels chaotic and stressful just looking at the pictures. But they love it. They love it. And that's great. Yes. Because the next person who moves in, you put, like, two coats of paint on there, and rainbows are gone. Yes. And that's fine. Or the next person might love that, too. Also, yes, I'm sure there are two freaks in the world, but that's fine. <laughs> Maybe or they can go to coffee. Or version of crazy. But, yeah, I think I think you should do what you love to, to a point in yeah. your own house. Um, we are well off of the old house expectations. Well, I think it, it relates to, like, those – Kind of the project, like thinking about setting expectations for projects and and how you should um, start to think about some of those projects. Uh, You know, maybe this look is trending um, by a specific designer Mm -hmm. based out of a small town in Texas. (laughs) And that's cool, but maybe that won't be trending next week. Maybe that won't be trending next year or five years, ten years. Yeah. Um, so when while yes, those homes and those projects may look fantastic on said network where shows are hosted, mm-hmm. um, they may not be the right fit for your home. They may not be the smartest choice for your home. Well, and I, I mean, if it. It comes down to the reason you're doing something. If you're doing something because it's trendy, not because that's something you actually like, that's that's not – I mean, it's not going to hold up. If you don't like it, you're just doing it because you're following a trend. In two years, you're going to hate it and have to follow the next trend. That's That's not fun. Do what you love. Which applies not just to design finishes, but overall design structure. Like, yeah. don't just – um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like a, a specific closet layout or feature or something that, you know, really could potentially cost a lot of money to include in a finished design. Yeah. If if that doesn't make sense for you, right? If you're doing it for the cribs moment where people walk in and they're like, oh, that's so cool. I want right. one. <laughs> Maybe not the best use of your time and resources. No. And I mean, yeah, that's. Now, both of us are strong advocates for actually adding really cool stuff to your house. Oh, yeah. Um, by all means, add all the tricks. But, like, do the things that make sense with the house. 
um, do things that add value to your life, things that you really enjoy, things that you'll use, but don't just jazz things up for the sake of doing it. Well, don't do things because you think it's what you should do. So, you know, this is pretty typical. People think they should replace their windows because they've been told they need new windows or whatever. Um, don't don't just do it because you think you should. Like, genuinely take a look at what value that brings or doesn't bring. Yeah. Um, things can be fixed, things can be repaired, and more often than not, especially in an old house, the windows that are in there, if they've lasted as 98 years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're going to keep doing it. I cannot buy. Even brand new architectural windows won't last that long in a new house. Yeah. And that's sad. <laughs> that's sad to me. So don't throw them away. Uh, but, like, don't do the open floor plan because you think you should. Yeah. Like, if you really want that, if that is it is that is a lifestyle that you have lived and enjoy and want to bring that to your next house, then okay, cool. But don't do it because it's what you think you should do. Because it's trendy. Because, because it looks cool. Trendy because some network told you to. Yeah. <laughs> or Instagram or Reddit or wherever. Or wherever you heard it. Wherever you were, whatever channel you were getting influenced by. Right. Media channel, not television anyway (laughs) the keeping room is a production of bungalow roots architecture i'm caitlin parker you can find me at bungalow roots on instagram where i'm most active or on my website at bungalowroots.com. And I'm Jake Landry. Follow along with me at Reluctant House Husband on Instagram or on my website, reluctanthousehusband.com. If you've got questions or comments about the podcast, Caitlin and I would love to hear from you at our email address, thekeepingroompod at gmail.com. Thanks for joining. Until next time. <laughs> We're all just trauma bonding. It's fine. <laughs> Isn't that what old houses are about? When we tell our old house stories, I know it's it's just a different form it's of trauma, trauma bonding. bonding. <laughs> it definitely is trauma bonding. You bled from where? <laughs> you fell through what? You fell through what? I have a scar on my wrist from the plumbing. It looks like I tried to kill myself. <laughs> I promise I didn't. It's just the sheetrock. It's obviously in the wrong place. Like, that was a very <laughs> immature attempt. Oh, man. Well, I think we did it, Jake. I think so. I think you're going to spend an eternity editing that one. (laughs) We did it, Joe. We did it. (laughs)